on this week's episode of Neck of Glory, we talk about that defeat to Aston Villa, but also line up with Christmas coming, our pantomime villain, and we look ahead to Man City. Welcome to another episode of An Echo of Glory. Joining me as always, Gary Diamond. Good morning. And Jake Robson. Good afternoon. Oh, not this oh, again. come on. <laughs> it is actually... <laughs> it is actually... It's actually oh, sorry. Correct. Okay, yeah. my bad. Um, okay, well, I say joining me as always. Gary, you weren't here last week. Were, were you in Jake's timeshare in Marbella? Yeah, I was. He uh, he 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 lent oh, it to were. me for a week. Has he, has he not offered you? He's yet? not. He's not offered. He's me. Shut up, you know. <laughs> no, I was. <laughs> I wasn't. I was. I was up in town getting a tattoo. So. Oh, your legacy number? No. Right. <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't my legacy number. Sorry to say, but oh, no. Okay. Squad number. Um, got any tattoos, Johnny? I'm not allowed. What? Well, I said I'm not allowed. I mean, my wife does listen. <laughs> uh, no, I don't. Well. She listens, but you're not allowed. That's fine. That's fine. I'd, I'd, it wouldn't be worth. Well, what, what, what would you want? Well, obviously, I'd obviously get legacy but obviously my legacy you get number, her name, your kids' names, your legacy number, yeah, coys. Have you got? I don't. And if you did, no, don't want one. Okay, sorry. Not even Spurs tattoo, legacy number, Echo of Glory uh, across each logo. cheek. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> okay, listen so that, here. To, <laughs> Like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. <laughs> written across your chest. So when you're out in my bay, people can see it. <laughs> All right, so Gary last week was getting a tattoo. That's why he wasn't here. Fine. Good excuse. Club news. We'll start there. The women got hammered by Manchester City. And let's not let's hope that isn't a sign of things to come. 7-1? 7-0? And they'd wobbled a bit. The season had taken a bit of a wobble. They kept drawing one all. But they, I, felt, I felt like a hammering was coming. And it, and it, and it did come. Not obviously not a great result. But again, you know, it's like we're going to talk more about this. They're at the beginning of a cycle <clears> as well, <throat> okay? And and they've they've signed a few new players. Ultimately, the philosophy of the football that they're playing this season has been better. And I think you've just got to give them a bit of time. Um, I think they're probably ahead of where they would have expected to be at this point of the season. So yeah, you've got to take everything in context. Yeah, yeah. Uh, other bit, a like, little bit of club news. Sad passing of Terry Venables, um, former manager, player of a legend at the club and they did their minutes applause and his name was sung before the game on Sunday which was great to hear um, memories of, of Terry for me the 91 final yeah I mean obviously the cup run the semi-final the final um, obviously didn't see him as a player for Tottenham but but as a manager you know he, he he's the last manager to have won the FA Cup for Spurs yeah. Euro 96 yeah. England manager was was still to this day probably the best international tournament that, that I've seen that picture of or that image of him when we lost on penalties mm. kind of st- sits with me he was so sad we were all sad if you look at Venables he knew he knew that we'd have gone on to win that yeah we'd have beaten the Czech Republic in that final yeah yeah, uh, yeah. Look, he was. Uh, I, I, I think at the time that he was a manager, he was probably ahead of his time in many ways. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know if he would be that in in today's game, but certainly then he was one of the first managers that wasn't. I think the throw your teacup scream. He was more arm around the shoulder and you know motivational, and the players really respected him. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a tragic loss to to Tottenham and to football. And you know. Nothing more to say. About I've, that. I've said this before. I so wish I was old enough to have been a, a remembered the '91 Cup final. Not only because it was the last cup <laughs> we won or the FA Cup we won, but yeah, just for for Tottenham now to win the FA Cup would be huge, wouldn't it? I mean, I guess then we did it a bit more often, but 
to have that the some of those players as well. He got a tune out. I mean, Gaza didn't play in the final, but he you know he got a tune out of Gaza for England. He, he did play in the oh, ninety six. Sorry, in no he 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 didn't. He went off. He went off. So yeah, he final. went crazy. He got he a tune out of um, yeah. Gaza. Then he got a tune. Euronite. I mean, Euronite six was the first tournament I properly remember. Right. What a time to be alive. And Gary Neville said this week that he was the best, or something along the lines of tactically the most astute England he said England I don't know if he said English or England coach there's ever been mm-hmm. I mean pff, yeah, you don't get much higher accolade. praise than that that's what I was saying like, I, I feel like he was ahead of his time mm. when he was a manager mm. he was much more closer to the sort of managers you see today yeah. than what you saw back then mm. um, testament yeah. to him yeah so great footballing brand 142 appearances for Tottenham won the FA Cup as a player in 67 led us to the cup final success in 91 uh, managed Barcelona you know shows how good he was uh, got the nickname El Tell. Do they call you El Jake when you go to go to Bob? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why, why haven't you <laughs> been all this time? <laughs> you never see me in all the tabloids. <laughs> <laughs> so a, a real loss and, and a great manager. But after the uh, nice applause and the song came the game, and this is how we lined up. Vicario <sighs> in goal, <laughs> uh, Porro, and then some more right backs and left backs: Emerson, Davies, Udogi. <laughs> <laughs> some more right backs and left right backs back. a few right backs and left backs just scattered around in there uh, but Benson Curler Celso <laughs> Johnson Kudaseski Hill you going to say it oh Jimmy oh Jimmy, Jimmy. <laughs> and Son up front so he went back to the 4-2-3-1 after the disaster of the 4-3-3 against Wolves what a disaster but it became one in the end so looking at that team there wasn't a lot he could do I know Gary's going to disagree with me at the time I was like oh I wonder why he's not played Hoiberg but it was correct not to play Hoiberg Hoiberg was obviously a sub the sub bench was ridiculous and I, I guess they were going to run Benzikar in the ground for 70 minutes and then bring Hoiberg on and the, the talk is that he had a sit down with Dyer and basically went you're not for me and, and you can see you can see on the back of his team he'd rather play full backs at centre half than, than Eric Dyer I think Jake made a really good point a couple of weeks ago. About he did that. what? Yeah, he did. <laughs> he, did. Um, he made a really good point a couple of weeks ago that, that in the Wolves game, Ange would have had minimal amount of time to have mm. prepared for everything that fell apart and he, and, and he probably just chucked out a team. Keep in mind that after the Chelsea game, I think they were four or five days in between the games. And, it would and have been four time, training days if they didn't have a rest day. And, and, in, and in that time, they're, they're assessing and evaluating the fitness of certain players and so on. So I get it was difficult. The reason I was so upset against Wolves was because I thought it was a betrayal of his own philosophy. Yeah. And seeing the team that he put out, we kind of knew the performance that was going to come. Yeah. And... You know, it, it just, you, you see against Chelsea that high line and the, the beating of the chest with five men. Play, and that's what upset me about, about the Wolves game was that I felt that Ange ducked out of it a little bit and, 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 and betrayed his own principles. With that said, when I saw this lineup, I was really happy because it, it, it showed me a few things. One, every manager is allowed the opportunity to give players a chance and see for themselves. We may know because we've seen it for years and years, but they have to give the players a chance. And and, and that's what he's done in that game against Wolves, right? But we said as well on the last pod after Wolves, not the last pod, but after the Wolves game, you know, we said it's going to be interesting to see his selections against Villa and whether he has learned or whether, you know, and he has, he clearly has. He's dropped Hoiberg and Dyer straight away. And I've got massive respect Mm. for that. And this isn't a 
about Hoiberg and Dyer. This isn't disrespect to them. They're just not suited to this yep. way of playing. Yep. Technical footballers who will take the ball at their feet and you feel comfortable with them having the ball at their feet yep. and they will be aggressive and look forwards and want to pass forwards or beat a man or do something aggressive with, with the ball. They are going to thrive in this team, which mm. is why the Celso comes in and actually had one of the best games we've yeah, seen. Yeah, we'll come to him shortly. Yeah. But, but this was a positive selection because regardless what happens on the pitch, it sends a strong message. Darren Hoiberg, giving you a chance, you ain't for me. You're just not for me. And I'd rather see this. And I respected this lineup a lot. Jake? Same. Uh, for similar reasons, although the other thing that I, I like the idea of is that if you're a manager, and we've said this over the years with the likes of Klopp sometimes and Guardiola, if you're a manager that has a very clear philosophy and <coughs> players know what you want them to do, there are some players based on that that you should be able to put almost in any position because the whole... And we see this at Brighton sometimes, midfielders at right back, this kind of thing. And I'm thinking to myself, there's a couple of players playing in positions that you might not have... or we might not have seen before. But because Ange has the ability to get his message across quite clearly yeah. very well, yeah. it, it almost doesn't matter. And if he thinks the players have got the skill set enough, they should to play in almost any position okay you're not going to stick someone in goal there's, there's exceptions and that's what it looked like with this team to me you've got Lacelso perhaps playing in a position that you might not have expected Kulisevsky obviously playing as the 10 and I was like yeah I'm here for it and has obviously decided this is the way forward and it was different to Wolves wasn't it you're looking oh, at this going it was a completely fair, different you know, fair enough complete, you know th this defeat hurt me much more than Wolves because we didn't deserve it we didn't deserve it it was like the Chelsea thing <clears throat> I, we just didn't we were clearly the far far better team mm -hmm. playing the much more aggressive football we were ripping them apart and it hurt because we just didn't get our rewards Wolves hurt because I felt betrayed but this hurt because it, we didn't, didn't deserve it. So the game itself could have been 2-2 after 15 minutes. So I remember Dogi missed a chance. I think there were, uh, Kuliseski hit the post. Mm. They had a sort of a good chance when Matty Cash, boo, <laughs> um, missed a sort of a header at the far post. And then Pau Torres missed a really, really good chance. But we, we cut them open a few times. They cut us open a few times. The first 20, 25 minutes was, was mad. Absolutely mad. And then we take the lead. I mean, it's, sh it's champagne football, some of that stuff. Oh. There was the one where um, Kulisevsky sort of Croy flicks it to mm. Hill and Hill probably should have done better with the shot. Mm. You know, we had a couple of others. It, I'm looking at it and actually from where I was sat, um, I sit on the same side as you, isn't it? Yeah. East Upper towards the away fans. So I'm looking right along our attacking line mm. and you've got Kulisevsky. At, at one point, he was playing all over the place in that first 20 minutes. He's a bit out wide and he's running into the middle. You know, you've got interchange of the, the players. Johnson was over on the other side for a bit and then he came over onto the right. And I'm thinking... I, I think it was like know, the just, I think it was similar to the Luton game where Ange, he knew Villa were going to play high. So let's go out and put this game to bed early. One, two, could have been. And that means Villa have to change their style. We're not... I want to come to the Celso in a second. Let's I'll jump ahead to we're not taking I don't think we're taking enough chances. Twenty five goals from thirteen league games. mentioned to me that XG won't actually reflect mm. the true story because XG only records when there is an attempt on goal. 
So it won't, for example, record when, when, when Johnson has pulled it across and but for Pau Torres being there, uh, whoever it was on the back stick would have had a tap in. You know, like it doesn't record things like this when you get into amazing positions and that final ball just doesn't quite find the man. The positions that we're getting into, we should be scoring a lot more goals than we are. Whether that is Son holding his run just ever so slightly, because again, he had the opportunity to make it 2-0 as he did against Chelsea. Well, you know something on this? This is the way Villa play. We did a stat on our Monday Night Football Show last night. Villa, of course, since Emery took charge, have caught teams offside 165 times. You need context, I'll give you the context. Next on that list is Liverpool with 93. Mm. Seven, my math is terrible. 72 more times mm. they've caught teams offside. So that's the way they're playing. We knew, we clearly tried to break it, but in a way, fair play to Villa for it worked. Mm. We did work. They kept catching us offside. And you can say to Son, I need to be, you need to be clever. And he even said it in his post match, maybe I need to be cleverer. But that's Villa's tactic. Yeah, but what about the chances that we had when we weren't offside I'm thinking well, I Doggy was... in the first couple of minutes Kulisewski hitting yeah. the post yeah. um, the one where Porro hit the post that Son scored but he was offside you know that yeah, look, six the... inches the other way that goes in Hill had that chance I mean there was yeah. and then you've got the offside the offside yeah they had chances well. themselves the XG in this game was 2.34 against 1.76 yeah 2.34 for us wasn't mm. it which yeah. suggests we should be winning we should be winning this game and we should have yeah like we just absolutely should have but the, the, are you not worried that we're kind of relying on I know the Celso scores a great goal we were kind of relying on Son to score at the moment yeah well that's it isn't it I mean we need more output from your Johnson Kulusevsky Johnson alright it's Hill's first start we, we, we need more output from all of them but I do think we need more output from Son as well and my concern with Son up front is he doesn't do and contribute enough outside of the box to justify his, you know, to justify performance if he's not putting the ball in the net. Do you know what I mean? I like, do. I mean, do as not. As a nine, though. As a nine. As a nine, he yeah. contributes. Obviously, when he plays wide, he contributes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I'm talking as a as, nine. as a nine. You know, he he doesn't want to play with his back to goal. I don't think he's the best at linking the play. I don't think he's the best at taking the ball in and taking the pressure off. You know, he's very, very good when he's in on goal. Sharp. Like, very good. And he's a good finisher as well. But if he isn't putting the ball in the net as a nine, I don't... You know, his overall game, I think, just... There's a question mark to be had there. But if you do sign a nine, you put him back on the left. And I know that he had a great relationship with Kane, but that's Kane. I'm not sure of him on the left. So if you do bring in a Tony or the guy Jimenez... Is it Jimenez from from Feyenoord? Um, Whoever it might be, if we do bring in a nine, Song goes out on the left... You happy with that? I'm happy with competition. Mm. I'm happy with competition. Yeah, because we've gone back to having, we kept moaning about having one striker with Kane. And we've gone back to it because Valise is not. You can't not say you're not happy with Son out on the left. That's where he's played his whole top career. But with Kane, yeah, like, but like, you know, I mean, what are you now saying? So now, now, he, no, no, now, no. now he doesn't even warrant a place in the team. No, not, not at all. But where's he going to play? Well, he'll play left if we sign a nine. Well, but that's, but I actually that's think, where he's been. Very I think sc- under Ange. Because there's talk of us signing another winger, this Jota who was at Celtic. Under Ange, I think Ange likes him, really likes him as a centre-forward. I, I actually don't think we will sign another centre-forward because I think he wants Son to play there. Ooh, well, I think he'll just pile maybe. up with more wingers who can play down the middle. Maybe. 
I, I I think I don't even think that the the twenty five goals is that that sixth highest in the league. I mean, it's not it's not the worst. It's not the worst. Return. We're not kind of no. But in context of the chances that we're creating in a very attacking football team that that sh- that, that really yeah. should be scoring two two goals a game, three is a lot. But, well, we, you, were, you, but we were. Yeah. Funnily enough, we're outscoring our xG this season. Are we actually? Yeah. But but then again, the quality of the chance that we create normally is fantastic I mean so so many, so often it's just like a, a tapping or you know we've ripped them apart like mm-hmm. it's so yeah it doesn't it, like, like we say the XG doesn't record the positions that no. you get into where no. you know it's that final ball that little that little touch that puts somebody in um, it doesn't record that so I, I think XG is a bit of a false a false narrative yeah. but um, but yeah talking of false narratives sort of <laughs> I wasn't sure about the Celso, and I'm still not. He's had one good game, but a very good game. But for me, it shows what a coach Ange Postacoglu is. Because as I think I said last week, you couldn't you couldn't give tickets away to watch some of these players last year. I know the Celso wasn't here, but it was someone who became a real sort of beacon of the Mourinho and Conte style. But we discussed it, I think, this week before we came on the show, Gaz, that he was playing a lot deeper. Um Messi loves him, Argentina, maybe because he just gives the ball to Messi. <laughs> but it's clear that there is clear from... I was really impressed with him on Sunday. And I hope for more of the same because obviously a player there. And it's another one, a bit like Basuma. What were they doing to this guy? Well, well you li- you've liked him from the for start. For one, they sent him out on loan. I think actually when he arrived under Poch, we saw he didn't, he didn't sort of start every game, but we saw flashes of, of what, mm. what could be. And the other thing that occurred to me watching him on Sunday... Without Madison in the side, and I sort of, I sort of said last week that he, I sort of had him down as the direct replacement. What I hadn't taken into consideration, having not really seen him live properly for, you know, since he was in the team three, four years ago, is not only how good he is on the ball, but he's the guy that wants the ball, a bit like Madison. He's like, mm. yeah, give me the ball, I'll yeah. take the ball, I'll yeah. do something. Yeah. And you only really appreciate that when you're when you're watching it live, because on TV you're very much focused on where the ball is, obviously. Whereas when you're watching live, you can over you see the sea above and everything. And he's much more of a kind of commanding presence and figure in that attacking midfield than I than I'd realised. And maybe that's that's probably why Messi likes him because if you're someone like Messi, you want to be around players who are a comfortable on the ball, want the ball. Obviously, he, mm. Messi wants the ball, but you, and use it well and as use well. it well, and mm. know what, and, and and think about the game well, and make good decisions. And I think he ticks all of those boxes. Mm. And goodness me, if you're going to do that, you're going to Ange Postecoglou is going to love you because that's that's his kind of player. Yeah, th- this is sort of what I was saying earlier about Hoiberg players that come into this players that are going to thrive under Ange are going to be technical players mm. who want the ball at their feet will thrive with the ball at their feet you know and, and, and excel and I think this is the first time that we've seen you know I mean Lo was excellent by the way in pre-season as well we forget that he really did do very very well in pre-season I thought actually tactically it was interesting with Lo and Kulisovsky now we took a look at um, some touch maps um, from Lo and I think about what 75 to me <laughs> oh yeah, so, what, so, secret. Other, you got secret touch map. Touch, ma- touch map club. No, it's, <laughs> uh, to be fair, it was, it's something that I was saying. I was saying to Johnny. I, I said to him yesterday. I feel. I, I, I suspect that Lascelles had more touches in the opposition half against Villa than he's had in, in any game for Spurs. Now we didn't do the deep dive analysis of it, but certainly seventy-five to eighty percent of his touches against Villa were in the opposition half. Now, 
you know, but also centered in an area. He wasn't. But just, it was also they were yeah. clustered as that sort of left center. Now we didn't do the touch map for Kulisevsky, but this is what I thought was tactically interesting: was that Lascelles was clearly playing in that left center channel, supporting Brian Hill and linking up with him nicely. And Kulisevsky at times looked like he was playing wide right or center, and Johnson was coming in, and Kulisevsky was taking that sort of right center channel. And I just thought it was a very interesting um, uh, tactic. What we also them. did was we compared that touch map. We just had a look um, and looked at it compared to Lacelso, one of his last games before he went on the, the two season loans right. I think it was a, against Wolves at the back end of one of the seasons his touch map was a lot deeper mm. and much more central uh, well I'd say much more central in our half but in the attacking half all over the place yeah. uh, for me he wasn't being refined enough and what's clear is that Angie so for me brilliantly uh, tactically aware that he's taken the sales and gone right. This is what you should be doing. And yeah. the sales has listened. Yeah, and, and he thrived on it because, he, uh, as you said, Jake, he was wanting the ball. He was wanting to receive the ball in tight areas and then you know find the pass and get it moving. And in those areas, the sales is a good player and he's definitely got value to the squad. And I think the interesting thing is, you know, we're clearly going to see more of him over the next couple of weeks, which is great. But when Madison comes back, you know, there was a huge pressure on Madison to play every game. And when there is that pressure, Madison is not a player that's ever been injury-free. So with somebody like Lacelso coming in, finding his feet in the team, perhaps we take the pressure off Madison a but, bit. Perhaps we can take him off after 70 minutes and but, know that you've got a Madison has been coming off, but it's from, in my head, I need to check this, but it hasn't been for Lacelso. It hasn't, it hasn't. Yeah, so I think but now we can have this direct come swap. On or, yeah, um, yeah, more to close out games. Yeah. But, but, but I, you know, I don't necessarily think we need to do that because we shouldn't be looking to close out games. Even if we're 2-1 up, go and get the third goal. That's that's how you close out a game truly, right? Then you eliminate the risk. Um, you eliminate the jeopardy of that. And I'd much rather see that. Um, but, what I'm, you know, I, I just think Lacelso certainly up until the end of the season has, has this season to, to really prove that he has value yeah, and a place we, in this squad we talk about output he's got that was only his second Premier League goal in 59 games we need a little bit more but, 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 but we'll but get more is, but his first Premier League goal in an attacking correct, team correct so we know that Andrew's tactically brilliant one thing I've, uh, one other thing I want to point out we've lost three games in a row and everyone's laughing at us ha 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 isn't it funny we told you you said you were going to win the league well, it's going to be four it's going to be four and we never said we were going to win the league you guys all said not you guys the media the social media you told no, us you we guys. were going to win the league <laughs> we knew this was going to happen at some point it's just happened very quickly there's been there's no context to any of this we've got so many injuries and suspensions but again forget Wolves the way we're playing and something happened on Sunday that made me just go Jesus this guy is brilliant the way they're um, doing what he wants we won the ball back just outside our own half I think it was Emerson and Johnson was wide right at the time and a Villa player closed Emerson down a very simple pass around him to Johnson was on and we'd have been on the break and I looked at Emerson he looked up and he saw Johnson and I thought well he's going to give it out there and he didn't he there was a pass inside to Porro which had to go through two defenders which was a risky pass and he made it and he passed it through to Porro who turned in the centre of the pitch and the whole pitch the whole game now opened up and we went on the attack and Porro sort of drove diagonally into the centre of the pitch and I think he played it out left for the last three years, that ball would have gone out to Johnson. He'd have had two things to do, either cut inside and make a simple pass or try and take his man on, but he was alone. And that made me just, that moment I just realised what we're trying to do and there's no context at the moment to these defeats. We were brilliant on Sunday. Well, there is context. And it's the lack of... But only no, from no, within. Only from within. Yeah, I, don't think, I don't yeah. think journalists are giving... They're all talking about Newcastle's 15 injuries. Yeah. Barely anyone's talking about yeah. our injuries and providing context to the three defeats. Yeah, no. and, and also after 13 games, 
fifth, four points off top. Yeah. We'd have taken that at the start of the season. Yeah, we're, we're quite fortunate we have that credit in the bank. Well, but, you, but we do because we were good. And you're going to lose games at some point. If you dot the three games we've lost in a uh, in, not in a row, just scatter them amongst 13 games. No one's talking. But about I'm it. actually glad we didn't because it shows how good we actually are when everyone's available. When you can't have everyone available all the time. It's just happened as a complete cluster. It's at, exciting at prospect, isn't it? Yeah. When Bissouma comes back and when Madison's fit, we've got Benzinger and Lascelles. I mean, Ange must. That's why when he came in and he looked at the and he, he said in one of his first press conferences. I think there's a good group of players here. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of Tottenham fans were calling for loads of changes. And obviously he's brought in one or two that have made a massive difference. But the, the sort of overhaul that people were suggesting was needed maybe wasn't necessarily there. Yeah, I think it's a really interesting point, the one that, that, that you made about the ball that, that Royale played. It's interesting for a couple of reasons, because actually the equaliser against Wolves came from Dyer trying to play that yes. bend it round down the line, traditional sort of ball that you'd expect and getting it completely wrong. Whereas Royale's picked the ball up, and, and I remember it, and he split the two men and went into Poro, who turned, and, and, and the whole pitch opens up, and it's very hard to defend against. Now, you go out to Johnson, teams shuffle across, and they close that gap, and they start, and, and that's the traditional one. I was thinking when we were playing Villa, I was watching them, and I was watching how we were attacking and how they were attacking, and I was thinking their attacks look very formulaic. Mm. They look very mechanical. Yep. And there's nothing wrong with that, because they do it pretty well, yep. right? I can't remember which manager it was, and I should have done my research on this, but I, I can't remember which manager it was. He was getting tattoos. <laughs> so a manager earlier this season had played both Spurs and City, and they said, the problem with Tottenham, and they're the only team that does this, and City are brilliant, but the problem with Tottenham is you just don't know where the runs are coming from. You just don't know who's popping up in the different areas, and you can see that in the first two minutes with Dogie going through on goal. I mean, that's madness. That's madness, Right. And I think it's true. This is the way that, that Postacogli wants to play. And that pass into Poro yeah. means that teams can't shuffle over and close channels, block off avenues, passing lanes, all of the sort of stuff that we regularly talk about. They can't do it. Because once that ball goes into Poro and you've broken that first line, that first press, and Poro turns, he can go left, he can go right, he can go through the middle. How do you defend that? And it is unbelievable to watch. And in the context, we want to put context around these three games, four games, that it's going to be City. The context is this. Andrew's here for four years. We are 10, 11 games into this? 13. 13. Okay, we're 13 games into this. If we qualify for the Champions League this season, we are ahead of schedule, without wishing to sound like a gooner. Okay? But we are ahead of schedule, and I'd say by some way. If we qualify for the Champions League this season, playing this brand of football then God help me, I can't wait for the next three years. I, I can't wait anyway, Gary, wait for it. Qualify or not. Because the recruitment looks good. The squad will be built better. We're doing it in the right way and the football... problem next season I'll be worried but this season you've just got to give a bit of context and a, well, bit, a bit of sort of mitigation to everything that's going on but and just appreciate what we're very clearly trying to build and doing it very successfully what would be worrying is if we were playing like this with no injuries it was just the same team and all of a sudden we've fallen off a cliff that yeah. would be worrying correct but it's pretty obvious as to, to why we're at it was Gary O'Neill I think that said it he hadn't actually yes. we hadn't played yet, but he, he literally mm. said mm. 
City, you can. He almost, he said literally, City, you can almost predict in a way. They're very good at it, but you can almost predict. But he said, yeah, the way Ange is playing, it's just, and that's what I was saying. Where I was sat up above, you've just got players running in all yeah. different directions. It's mm. yeah. Should we talk about a villain, but with an eye, with an eye, Matty Cash? Boo. Boo. <laughs> For, okay, I'm going to go on a little bit of a rant here. I thought that was one of the most horrible tackles I've seen. And I've watched a lot of football. And when I said that to non-Spurs fans, they've gone, what are you talking about? It wasn't that horrible. Yeah, it was bad, but it was just a yellow. The problem with it for me was, you look at it's two things that have happened at the Spurs Stadium this season. I know you just disagree a little bit on Romero. But Romero and Curtis Jones are dangerous tackles. They have studded a player on the shin. That is a dangerous tackle. Whether you agree or disagree, it's red. It's a dangerous, dangerous tackle. Intent or not, Dangerous tackle. As also Dogie's against Chelsea. He should have been off straight. Yeah. Red. That's so a straight red track. A Man United fan, doesn't matter who he supports, but a Man United fan said to me, well, he wasn't two-footed. It wasn't in the air. He didn't catch his shin. So what? Benton Cook was running that game, right? He was running that game. He was brilliant for however long it was, 25 minutes. Matty Cash waited for Benton Cook to nick the ball off him. Mm-hmm. And he took him out. Not for the first time. He's done it to Matt Doherty. From what I understand, he did it to Johan Visser in a game against Brentford. Now, I can understand why Rob Jones, the ref, didn't send him off, possibly. VAR should say should send him off. And I think if you've got an ex-player in the VAR room that day, I think they probably do send him off. Because for me, it was such a horrible tackle because of the intent. Forget the fact he didn't stud him on the ankle or whatever it was. I, so for me now, he is my number one target as I don't like you. You're the worst player I've ever... You're my pantomime villain, Matty Cash. But then the problem with that is, and I don't know, we probably didn't want to get into this but then where do you see the red card in the Tottenham Liverpool game where all the players were saying not the Jota one the Curtis Curtis Jones Jones, where all the players were saying yeah but there was no intent it's not a red card that's what the ex-players were saying it's dangerous but that's the problem when you put ex-players and then you've got rules and all this kind of stuff we used to talk about the rules rules. I think the reason why Matty Cash hasn't been sent off is because it doesn't tick the boxes there you go computer said no yeah, I think no that's literally it that that is it 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 hasn't ticked the boxes but you can you can go out you can go out to do someone without it being dangerous or is that always players foul players all the time yeah. I think he's I don't think players go out to intentionally hurt others and I'm and I'm sorry if I'm being out of turn here I think Matty Cash has got yeah, to do yeah I, I think so I, I, I think so because you don't often see a player at this level that late you'll see it on it Sunday so league. late you'll see it on Sunday league right but, but he was so late that it, it I mean I don't I don't personally believe that a player at this level, they know if they can get the ball or not. They know as they're committing to the challenge if they can get the ball. He knew that he couldn't get the ball. He knew he couldn't. So his intent was, I'm going to clean this guy out with an overly forceful, aggressive challenge. Mm. Now, I get that the computer says no and it wasn't studs up and he was in control and this, that, the other. But there is an element of sportsmanship, fair play, intent, all of this that comes into it where human reason has to look at it and go, mate, that was nasty. that's not okay. Do you know what? Even if it's not a red, it should have been an orange. Well, the problem is, he then makes a foul on Udoji exactly. five minutes later. Exactly. So I think, that, yeah. I think he should have had one more. You, you say to Matty Cash, you've got, you're not, you've got none. And by not sending him off, he gives Emery Correct. the option to take him off at half time. Correct. Why are we safeguarding Matty Cash here? Boo. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we safeguarding him? Done nothing to help Bentonku here, who's now out again, bless him. There's some talk he might be okay, we'll see. 
nah, nonsense. He should have been sent off. The Adogu tackle wasn't even that bad, but he should he should not have had no, but he should have one been on more an absolute tightrope. Yeah. Like, yeah. He shouldn't yeah. have been allowed to touch another. It should, yeah, you're right. I think it would. It, it, it's an orange, right? It's an orange card if if there were such a thing. But once you're at that limit, the next one. God doesn't matter if it's something or nothing mm. you're off mate yeah. anyway I've had enough of talking to you about Spurs Villa should we get another Spurs voice an, an expert on the show yeah yep. right let's do that now <laughs> delighted to now be joined by journalist and Spurs fan Seb Stafford Bloor Seb thanks so much for joining us oh thanks for having me uh, so we've been talking in the studio here I thought it was time to get an expert on um, I wanted to get your your thoughts on on really the first Ten and a third games for Spurs, and then the sort of implosion against Chelsea, and what's followed since, and, and where you see where we are and where we might be going. I've really enjoyed it. I think that's my main takeaway. If you remove the last couple of games and some of the sort of the little frustrations and disappointments from that, I think the tone of the season and the sense of bravery, courage, exploration, tactically. It's been such an uh, such a breath of fresh air compared to the last couple of years that whilst obviously losing three games in a row, losing that game to Chelsea, it's full of little grievances and things which I really hated at the time for different reasons. But um, overall, just uh, it's just gone so much better than I thought it was going to. I think you're right. The game on Sunday, we were applauded off at half-time despite the fact that, that Villa scored just before half-time. I think in years gone by, there'd have been groans. But... In the first 20 minutes, certainly, like like against Chelsea, you can yeah. just see that and just turned this team that, you know, last season, you couldn't give your tickets away to watch these players. But now people are still buzzing to go to the game and you can just see what we're trying to do, even though the results aren't coming. Yeah, no, I think this is a really important point. And um, I think as I get a little bit older, I'm, I'm nearly 40 now, but <laughs> to get a bit older, like the winning and losing matters, still matters, but it just matters a little bit less. What I want from Spurs, is to look forward to watching them play yeah. and I haven't really done that over the last couple of years um, you have to do it because you're your team so you, you know, you've got no choice but um, now I kind of I find myself looking forward to the spectacle and I remember thinking during that Villa game um, like you mentioned the first 20 minutes that's as good attacking football as I've seen from mm. a Tottenham team against a really good side which Villa are I think um, for a really long time just the imagination and the craft and the speed of everything and the sort of the uh, originality of thought that I can take everything else like I can the bad goals and the kind of the lack of centre halves and um, wasn't thrilled with the way that Villa approached the game physically no personally no. Uh, I thought it was um, I thought they were a better side than that actually I, they don't need to play like that and um, uh, I thought the uh, tackle on Benton was pretty disgraceful really and it, it kind of weird how a little sort of response it's it's generated actually um, but I want my team playing like that and everything else I can deal with as long as that that first bit's in place, I think, is is, is the how I feel. You, it's, I feel like an adult saying that now. It's kind of nice. <laughs> well, yeah, you mentioned, you mentioned you want to look forward to it and I totally agree. I think I remember reading a tweet yeah. yours back in March where you said, we must have had another injury and you said, can I tear my meniscus so I don't have to watch Spurs anymore? <laughs> and I think we're all, we're all very much in that mode where we just want to, we want to enjoy it on the back of the last three, four years we've endured. But, how long does that last? If We're not going to continue to lose games, but how long do you think that lasts? I think it lasts... It's a really good question, actually. I, I think it lasts for as long as there's um, a reasonable asterisk. So I think at the moment, you can look at... The, the players who are unavailable, either through injury or suspension, 
And I think the last three games, for different reasons, different types of games and different types of defeats, but it's all kind of forgivable. The Chelsea game was a no, you know, it's a free hit really because, you know, how often do you find yourself down to nine men? Last time was was that Bournemouth game um, just before, back in 2019, which just, it turned into a bit of a circus yeah. like Chelsea. Wolves was bad, but, you know, huge disruption. Both centre-halves gone, Madison gone. You know, it's difficult. Um and this one, again, you, you start with a game plan and it gets disrupted by an injury, which is so fundamental to the way the team plays. And also because they're in the situation now where I think we went into the season knowing there is vertical depth beneath first team level. Mm. Um, there are players who might, you know, add that depth in time, might develop a little bit, but, um, you know, still a little bit away from that. And so I think as long as you can... Um, as long as you can explain away some of the, the flaws, I think I don't really believe in a honeymoon period. Like I've seen that around a little bit. I don't really agree. I think um, the team has been coached really well. Yeah. It needs to be supported from other areas of the club now with a little bit of investment. Um, and once all of those places, uh, those pieces are in place, I, I think it becomes right. Well, now it's a little bit more about the winning, even though mm. football shouldn't, in my opinion, I'm not trying to tell anybody how to support <laughs> no. their football team, but yeah. I, I I don't think the modern game is suited to kind of having this win or I'm going to, you know, it's going to ruin my weak culture anymore just because it, it's not an even game, is it? It's not an equal game. Um, so um, you can't really afford to think like that unless you're a Manchester City fan or probably in five years' time a Newcastle United yeah, supporter. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably the way I think about it at least. Yeah, Seb, do you think, as far as a tactical point of view, a lot of fans or some fans have sort of said, well, why don't we try and shut up shop a bit more why isn't Ange being they've some people have called him naive that kind of thing do you think tactically we're going to see anything different can Ange in himself will he would he do anything different do we even have the players to do anything different other than the way that we have been playing for the first 13 games well I, I, right now this minute I, I I don't think the players are there no because like that's kind of what we tried for couple of years it was Mourinho's approach it was Conte's approach which is um cower behind the ball and hope for the best right and um with a group of defensive players available just it's not going to go well um also I I, I the naivety thing it, it feels odd to me so like obviously we saw that at the end of the Chelsea game I don't think coaches are naive I think they're stubborn and wrong sometimes but like I don't think it's a naivety. Yeah, I just think good. it's a kind of, this is what I believe in and this is what I'm going to do. And I, from what I've read about Ange, and I, I really didn't know very much about him before he arrived at Spurs beyond what I read about his uh, his great work at Celtic and um, in Japan and and what people in Australia had said about uh, his work with the national team that I, I never really sort of um, digested it live and at the time. Um, he's someone that's not going to sort of... Uh, scale back his conviction so it's kind of i, I don't see it like I, i'm not sure like we're going to see sort of even against Manchester city which kind of kind of a terrifying thought right <laughs> i don't think there's going to be uh 10 players behind the ball and hope for the best i think that they're just going to play and i kind of like that I'm, I'm okay with it you know what you know what lose the game lose six nil it, it's fine just play and and i i think i'm comfortable with that uh, i don't know what this this says about me as a person but um I think it's okay, and I, I we've had our fill, right? Of of the sort of the, you know, um, uh, cow behind the sword, and and hope that, um, you know, uh, the twenty shots direction that the goal don't go in. Like, 
I, I don't want to see any more of that in my yeah. life. I don't think. I agree. Mm. I think so. What we've seen over you know the last few games is, as you've already mentioned, the deficiencies in the squad. I think we've done brilliant to turn around the first team in a pretty short space of time uh, with transfers. You watch a Me lot. Too. Of, you you yeah. watch a lot of European football, and the next iteration will be to, to to put the depth in behind that first team. There's been some talk about centre back, striker, whatever it may be. With your knowledge of European football, do you have players or profiles in mind that you think would be very very good for us in this January window, ideally? Yeah, there's there's a couple of guys. I mean, I I think I think the profile is the first thing, which is that I think um, at the moment it's a little tricky because there's no European football and there are no there are none of those soft fixtures in which you can kind of play young players um, and allow them to develop like that. That was always kind of the great strength of the Europa League and the old UEFA Cup, um, which I suppose don't don't currently take part in, obviously. Um, a couple of guys I really like, like forward wise, just because they can play different positions. Um, I love Antonio Nisa at Club Bridge. I think he's a, a terrific player. Um, I spent a bit of time um, in Denmark recently um, and a bit of time around FC Copenhagen and Rini Baji is going to be a, top a really, really good player. Yeah. Rini Bargaji, sorry. <laughs> I, I must learn to pronounce his name correctly. Um, I don't think he's going to be like a stratospheric Lionel Messi type, but he's, he's going to be a very good player. And I think he suits the kind of things that Kind of tactical approach that Ange Postecoglou has has shown so far, and would really flourish in that system. Also, you're not bringing in someone who's going to expect to start immediately. You're just bringing in some depth players mm. to grow. Mm. Um, you know, someone who feel I, I, I'm not going to kind of I don't know what I think of Brian Gill, for instance. I don't that that's like an entire podcast series. Of <laughs> no, I think it's a short pod for um, me. I, I wouldn't it, listen. I think sorry. it's a short pod. I don't think he's good enough. I don't think he's fit for this league personally. I, you, we know what, like I, I, the first thing I'd say about him is lock him in the weights room for a month, and <laughs> then we'll have the conversation. Yeah. Just because it, it feels like he needs to be reconditioned. Yeah. I don't know if that's yeah. fair. I think he's a good footballer. But anyway, um, then so like one 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 of those, if possible, would be would be lovely. Um, and then you know because also eventually Mana Solomon's going to be fit again, and mm. um, even Perisic maybe not. I guess no. um, not quite sure of the severity of that injury or what the projection is. I think there needs to, there, there obviously obviously needs to be another centre half at the club mm. because you can't have a situation. I, I think Christian Romero is a really good player, but you can't trust him not to do the kind of things that he's done yeah. um, periodically, just to, to lose his mind a little bit. Um, so I think you need someone in in that image, like a kind of um, guy I really like is uh, Tadebo from um, from Nice. Um, really good on the ball, really good passer, can play kind of right sided. Um, I'm kind of comfortable with with Ben Davis covering as a left-sided centre-back as if necessary. But I think you need um, someone who can mimic Romero's style of play, but also is a better athlete than Eric Dyer. Mm. Um, yeah, that's Because that's I think, yeah, he's not, you can't really, it's not really fair for, for Dyer to be playing in a high line. I don't think that's, that's, that's setting someone up to do very well, really. Mm. Um, as much as I, I love the guy and I love the player and I, you know, remain appreciative of like what he's been to Spurs over yeah. really the last 10 years yeah, yeah. Um, it's um, but yeah I, I, I can't I remember thinking this at the time like I, I think I mean, in fact I don't know a Spurs fan who didn't think this like when August finished and you looked at the side you thought this of all the teams kind of competing for those top four places like Spurs can't really afford a, a single injury no, yeah. to, we talked about it in a any department mm, yeah 
yeah it's it was it was kind of concerning and so but in a way it, it's been good because all the way through the good start which I, I love watching i was always sort of braced for it right because mm. madison's got a bad injury history yep. um romero yeah 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 so like you're always you always have to be ready for it so but yeah a couple of additions and and, and it all will be well and you know these players aren't gonna be you know um out for too much longer so um it's just it's it's adding for kind of it's kind of future proofing, isn't it? It's not like we need the new eighteen million pound player to start in the centre midfield because I think the players are there. Mm, yep. You just need a couple of guys to grow into roles over the next two or three years, agree. and, and um, that that for me would be the the smart play. I think. Yeah, agree. Uh, Seb, I can't let you go uh, without putting your European football hat on and specifically your German one. Uh, Harry Kane. Mm. It's good to see him now, class as a top who? player. Yeah, exactly. Who? Uh, good to see Harry Kane now, class as a top <laughs> player. He's, he's smashing it over there, isn't he? But we all thought he would. We all knew he would. He's he's doing brilliantly. So, like a bit behind the curtain, I am. Um, when Kane's transfer went through, I was down in Munich for the Super Cup. So, as a Spurs fan, I had to write my farewell Harry Kane piece from inside Bayern Munich's training ground. Like, how about that? How about that? As, as football, as, as football, laughing at you one more time. Um, but he's been he's been great, and I actually um, uh, I tried to to go to a Bundesliga game most weeks, and I was at the was at the Dortmund Bayern game a couple of weeks ago, where I spoke to Jamal Musiala in the mix zone afterwards. And asked him like is he better than you thought he was and he was like yeah absolutely like wow. the, the thing that you hear again and that he said at the time and I, i'm paraphrasing him a little bit was knew how good a finisher he was had no idea how hard he'll work for the team and, and what an asset he is outside the penalty mm. box um and that's been one of the big sells um and the big kind of talking points in the german media is not the goal so much even though his record is brilliant it's that when Bayern aren't having it their own way which they don't always i know what the the league's reputation is but it's it's not quite fair um kane is someone that wants the ball and will contribute in different ways he won't just um one of the knocks on Lewandowski, amazing goal scorer though he was and, and still is was that um he didn't really do anything beyond score goals mm. um whereas kane obviously i i think is a much broader footballer and um i think they like the human being as well guys because i he that Bayern Munich game, of uh, that Dortmund game, obviously he scored a hat trick, and he, he came out of the um, came out of the dressing room afterwards, and we're all standing there, and he's got his match ball in his plastic bag, <laughs> and um, you know, Harry's that in the match ball, yeah, yeah, it is you know, just completely, no, it's completely unaffected. Mm-hmm. Like he's not, he hasn't carried himself as a superstar. He's been willing to do the kind of to embrace Bavarian culture because it's a little bit different to Bavarian Germany are are a bit different, um, and he hasn't sort of he hasn't shied away from that side. And I uh, I think people have really, really taken to him as a result, which with my Spurs hat on is... Um... Watch him um, be accepted and to, to succeed as well, because it feels like ever since we first set eyes on Harry Kane, I did it myself, everybody's been saying, well, you're not quite that good or you're not going to be good enough to do this or that and um we've all been guilty of that at times and there are members of the german media who did that too and um he's made them yeah another group of people look a little bit silly so he's done brilliantly good and hopefully spurs will continue to make the media silly because they think it's already over for us but i think li- listening to your positive thoughts no i like no, and listening to your positive positive thoughts i think uh there's a long way to go and once we get everybody back we'll be fine so it's been great uh great to talk to you great to get your thoughts and uh, here's some more. Thanks very much for having me on. It's been a real pleasure. Enjoy yourself.
good chat with, with uh, Seb. I, I liked his positivity. I think we're all in that boat where he put a tweet out saying, I know we've lost, we're probably going to lose again, but it's so much healthier. I mean, healthy is the wrong word when you look at Spurs right now. But I think we all feel that. Ah, oh, absolutely. I mean, it's just great, isn't it? Going to the, I mean, I, you're now looking forward to the games. We're back at that point, maybe not this weekend, but certainly when everyone's fit, we're back at that point where you, you fancy us against anyone. We might not win. And like against Chelsea, we might end up getting a hammering. But you to go into the game, there's no reason to say, well, we can't win today. I think anybody that has a bit of reason and common sense about them would take a look at what's going on at the minute and, and feel positive, feel upset that you know the squad isn't deep enough yet. And yes, we know the issues. And yes, you can point the finger here, there and wherever you want. That will come. Yeah, That will come. But anybody with a bit of reason will know that this is a team and a club that is very much going in the right direction and um, you can't get too upset about what happens in these four games. Uh, I think the second half of the season is going to be a real ride. Sunday, looking forward? No. <sighs> no, look, I'm always looking forward to watching this play, as we just said, right? Like, but, uh, uh, but yes, but do you have that feeling for this week? No, because City are a phenomenal team. I, I was thinking about this. I, I think in some ways... I'm I'm more scared of Liverpool in the way we play against a Liverpool with the pace that they have than I am of a City who might you know if it's a they, bit more slow and methodical if they get on the ball then then I think we just will naturally have to drop a bit deeper and 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 drop in and and, and it could be a very interesting chess game in some ways I won't be chess it will be like mad but Liverpool I think are almost sort of perfectly set up to really hurt us so. As long as sort of you know we're not letting Haaland well, I've just had this run in on us. I've just had this horrible image of Vicario getting sent off for bringing down. Yeah, Haaland. I mean, there's been a few times this season where I'm like, oh my god, what's he doing? Well, yeah, ah, I mean, he's done it. Well, he's done though. it. Yeah, yeah especially yeah, in the last couple of games. But you know, as long as we're not letting Haaland consistently run into thirty yards of space and they're just <laughs> knocking the ball in for him, then actually, I'm never. You can never feel positive or, or confident going to City. But I, as long as we're not naive to that. I don't know. We can hurt them. Yep. There was <laughs> <laughs> when you say hurt them, do you mean like Matty Cash hurt them? Or <laughs> do them. I, I, I actually agree with you, Gary, because I think a bit like when I saw that lineup for the Villa game, I'm looking at it going, well, I'm, I'm now understand what why he's doing that and, and where and where that that's going to fit in. We're going to have Romero back, are we? No, he's nice still no, out. His last game. Yeah. Basuma's back though. Basuma's back. So hopefully Benton Core might be fit. Maybe. But Bissouma back, I think, makes a massive difference in midfield. Uh, Benzenko is obviously great, but Bissouma's had the games under his belt. He's a bit more further down the line with that. And as much as City are obviously fantastic on the ball, they've got a history of being pressed and being successfully pressed, not least by us in the game. Was it last year or... Well, we were two up and lost four. What was the game year. where John Stones made that really bad error? Well, it, was, was that... it, was, it was Harry Kane's record goal, and it was a Hoiberg of all people pressing and nicking. At, the at home. No, that was at that. home. I'm talking about the game at theirs where we where we pressed them. I think it might have been uh, the three two win. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. And and we and I'm thinking, hold on a second. We're we're doing City at their own game here, yeah, and we're we now had, we had Kane at that point for me was on the top to finish. Of but I'm game. talking about the way you press them from the front, and we will definitely do that when they get the ball out wide in in their own third. We will have they'll have I Son think and Kulisevsky, uh, and they will be closed down. I think when you're playing City like that, I don't want to go back to that guy again. But the way Kane played that day away, oh. it's all about getting the ball out your feet, turning and putting the others in and. 
Son's going to have to do that. Correct. But but the point is, we have a chance because the way the way we will play, we've got a chance think, going one I way. Set, I just worry about it the other way. The, yeah. the, that's the problem. The other way. The only thing. The only thing that I would like to think is that. And Villa didn't do it that much. They weren't pinging balls over the. T- we weren't getting done over the top with the high line. The the thing that did us against Villa was set pieces. Yeah, because Torres header short. that he missed. Yeah. You had the Watkins header in the second half that went across to face the goal. They probably should have scored. Obviously, the goal that they then did score from. So which you're is saying, a stupid free so you're saying Villa could have scored five. <laughs> well, they could have done, <laughs> right, but, okay. but mainly from set pieces. So okay. that's the that's the thing is 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 partly the worry because Ben mm. Davies and Emerson Royale as centre backs in the air. It's a short team. It's a short team. And the other goal, I think, was just a bit of genius, really, in the middle of the park, sort of from two. It's a nice bit of interplay. It was a good nice goal, bit yeah. of interplay. A really quick finish. He's finished it without taking much time. And I think that would be. That would be my. I, I don't see. Yeah, I don't see them kind of playing balls over the top and that being an issue in that sense. By I the mean, way, it's not the way City really play anyway. By the way, Son, who we've spoken about a lot today, has a phenomenal record against City. He likes playing them. He really does like playing them. My laptop's packed up because I was going to give you a. Stat. And and the, the the I think a lot of the time where you win or you lose against City is in and it's it's that old cliche is in midfield and one area we have got it. I think I won't say nailed, but we are. I'm much more confident of us this season than say last season yeah. is in midfield because it doesn't almost as we saw at the weekend Lascelles is going to play isn't he mm. Bissouma is going to play and then it's a potentially Benton Kerr potentially Kulisevsky plays there again and I don't feel that we are especially as De Bruyne is not fit they don't have stones obviously you know they've got good players but I don't feel that we're going to they're going to completely boss us in midfield and I think that's important I've got a stat now won't it yeah yeah is it a positive one? Yeah. So he scored, <laughs> Son scored seven goals in 17 appearances against Man City. He's only scored more against West Ham, which is good with them coming up. Palace, Borussia Dortmund, well, that would include Tottenham We're and not playing them this season. No. Uh, Leicester, not playing them this season. And then Southampton, 12 in seven. I would have Bentoncourt and Basuma in the team mm. um, and Madison. You know, if we had a first 11 going up there, I'd be looking at this going, all right, where are we? Yeah. Like, where, really, where are we? Because I, oh, I, I think it would have been absolutely breathtaking game of football, that. Should we get the view from the especially, other side? Especially with City playing in midweek as well and another week. Yeah, the they're pretty much, they're through already. They've just got to yeah. win tonight to win uh, against Leipzig to win the group, which I'm sure they'll do. Should we get the view from the other side? Let's do it. Let's do it. Delighted to be joined by Simon Bykovsky, the chief Manchester City writer for the Manchester Evening News. Simon, thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thanks for having me. So I want to get your thoughts to start with on City's start to the season. Does two draws count as a wobble for Manchester City? Where are where are they at the moment? Because for me, obviously a top top side, and I expect them to go on and win the title. But it doesn't seem as fluid as as normal. No, um, it's been a strange season, really. Um, a, a a big summer of change, really, with um, the type of player that we're coming in. Jeremy Docker isn't a play kind of associate with Pep Guardiola and and Kovacic and Nunes as well. They had some big losses in. Gundogan and Mares in particular, um, and they started off not playing very well, but winning games, and then they lost a few, and then they started playing better. But now they've had two draws, um, and people are starting to ask 
those kind of similar questions again. So it has been, I think, City will be delighted with their start, given all the fears about what could happen after winning the treble. Mm. Um, they will be delighted that they are up there and in a good position and they're through in the Champions League. So on, in that regard, it's been a success, but it's still very much a work in progress to find the best eleven at the minute. You mentioned the treble there. Where do you go as a fan in your head? Um, well, <laughs> you know... What's next? What's next? What is the expectation? Is it to do that again, or how, where do you go from here? Yeah, it, it, it must be it must be really difficult, and it, even for the players, like you know, you you've won it all. Like how how do you motivate yourself to to win it again? And you know, speak to some of them and they're like, oh, we want to win win the Premier League for the players that have arrived, or mm. you know, make a legacy or things like that. And the the club kind of want to do what they've done in the Premier League in Europe, that is kind of the ultimate ambition and sort of make their name in Europe. But it, it's it, it's really hard. And certainly to come back after sort of... The, they had a run of games basically from February last season. They couldn't lose a game mm-hmm. or they would be out of the Premier League to Arsenal or out of the Champions League to Bayern or Real. So they had a run of sort of four or five months where every game meant so much. Is that off the back so of after that, it's it? kind of a bit difficult to get up for like yeah. Fulham at home in September, that kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they still manage it. <laughs> <laughs> I was just wondering, um, ahead of this game then at the weekend, how, how does City kind of view Tottenham and the start that we've made and, and the, the new way of playing, obviously, compared to the last couple of seasons? Yeah, um, so City... Um, played a friendly against Yokohama a few years ago mm-hmm. when uh, Postacoglu was was in charge and Guardiola like could not stop talking about this guy and part of it was thinking like well Pep tends to sort of go over the top with every manager that he speaks to and and things like that but he, he was really genuinely taken with him and and they they played really attacking football and gave City a real a real scare and uh, you know Guardiola loves coaches who come in with attacking philosophies and wanting to win and coaches who have principles and stick to them. Um, so I think um, there is a lot of, you know, respect and admiration for for what Tottenham are doing this season um, under under Postacoglu and, and City will know that they're up against a very good team. You know, Guardiola's mentioning them whenever he's talking about his, his title contenders and, and, and I think he's, He's right to, you know, that City are probably playing them at a very good time mm. in the sense that if they were playing <laughs> Spurs maybe a month or two ago, there would be a much stronger Spurs with sort of fewer injuries and suspensions and the like. Yeah. Um, but it's still going to be it's still going to be one of the tougher games of the season for them. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and on that note, actually, uh, I, th- I think Simon, you know, it's, it, I think City versus Spurs for me is, is one of the most underpromoted games in the Premier League because, and I'm not trying to create a rivalry here, but, but as I grow up, so many of my memories are of this fixture and there just always seems to be something in it. And, and, and you know, if you think of 81 with Ricky Veer, in my memory, I mean, I was born 81, so I don't see that game, but, you know, obviously it's, it's yeah. folklore at Tottenham. You know, I remember 93, Naeem's hat-trick at Main Road in the FA Cup and, and the police coming onto the pitch. Mm. I remember White Hart Lane 3-0 up in the FA Cup, losing 4-3. We were discussing that the other day. I was at the Etihad Stadium when Crouch scored 1-0 in that Champions League knockout, the quarter-final. I was there again. 
you know, there's so many memories. 2-0, Steve Malbronk and Jermaine Defoe in the in the sixth round of the League Cup when we had Zakora sent off. Memories. You know, like just so many memories of this game. It always throws something up. It's a wonderful fixture. How uh, it's one of the fixtures I always look forward to. But but what is it between Spurs and City? Do you think? And how how does City view Tottenham just as a club and and, and this fixture as a whole? Because it's given me some of the best moments of, of my Spurs sporting career. Yeah, and <clears throat> kind of going further back, City of today unveiled a statue to mm. Summerby Bell and Lee, and they're mm. known for <clears throat> the team in the uh, the late sixties, which included the the ballet on ice against Spurs, which is yeah. you know a, a game that. A city fans of certain age will just wax on and on about because mm. and, and also you know the the Champions League quarter final is just absolutely iconic. I was in the stadium for that four three, and it it will be one of the games that I remember for yeah. The, I was in the <laughs> life because so. it was just an incredible mm. game from start to finish. Um, but, but I think that's part of it. It's two attacking teams sort of over the years who kind of draw the best out of each other when they play. I mean, I mean, Spurs managed to to draw the absolute worst out of City at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium because... Still not scored. <laughs> Still not scored. That's what Pep said after... That's what Pep said, wasn't it? I've won everything now. All I want to do now is score a goal at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone noted uh, the other week that Cole Palmer had scored there before City had. So, uh, <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I think it is just the, the product of two teams who who like to play attacking football. And I, I don't know, you just get certain teams in the league where every season you look back on and those, at least one of the games has been significant. And um, obviously last year for City, they came from behind to beat Spurs 4-2, but yeah. there were boos at half-time. And then afterwards, mm-hmm. it was when Guardiola went on one of his all-time rants about nobody being sort of bothered about winning. And, and that sparked, you know, what, what followed. So mm-hmm. th- there just seems to be something in these games where, first and foremost, they're great games, but also there's kind of bigger consequences from them. I just have a, a theory of my own on that. And, and it is this, is... We are both clubs who historically have perhaps lived in the shadow of another, uh, but both proper football clubs with a proper fan base, proper history, massively under-respected in years gone past. And so when it comes up to one another, you've just got two... And I've got a lot of respect for City. I mean, 40,000 at Main Road in Division 2. It's a proper football club Mm. and they get a lot of disrespect following the, you know, takeover and the money that they've spent. But I just think these are two proper, proper football clubs with with big fan bases just going at one another. And it's great to see. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think some City fans say to me, you know, they think the club kind of push the angle too much of, um, of 99 and, you know, being in the Division to playoff final because they say you know we we had a great club decades before that and we won leagues and we won in Europe and um, but in part because of the club it's kind of the story is told as like a rags to riches didn't exist before ninety nine mm. didn't exist before two thousand and eight mm. and and now they're you know how how quickly they've come to the top but they were at the top mm. previously and also with Spurs like you say like such a rich history and it just gets like dismissed of oh well they've not won a trophy or a spursy so you know (laughs) like you say forever in in arsenal's shadow or whatever but um yeah it is two two proper clubs with 
with proper fan bases and you know it is it's been nice to see sort of how i know the stadium has caused a number of other issues and whatever but it's nice to see like how well the stadium has been done at spurs and you know it is now every everyone in england but also europe is wanting to take things from the spurs stadium mm. because that is now the model mm. and you go to other stadiums and you think god they're really dated mm. um and it is like you know it, it, it is the pinnacle of the the premier league going to spurs because it's the it's the best stadium but also you get a great footballing team a great fan base especially with that big big old stand now yes yeah, great and um and it, it's it's a great occasion so on to, on to Sunday, we've got to travel to the Etihad. It's, like I said, a little bit of a wobble, two draws, but against two top sides, uh, it, it isn't. But did you know it's over six years since City went three Premier League games without a win? Is there any chance for Spurs <laughs> to do that on Sunday? No Spurs chance. reserves, patched no, up Spurs. No chance. No chance. Yeah, I, I think so. Not not to get the violins out for City, <laughs> but they're in a, they, they have plenty of injuries as well. Mm. Um, and I think you saw against Liverpool with having De Bruyne, Stones and Grealish out. It wasn't that they couldn't put out a good first team, but they just had no one on the bench. So in the second half, when they could have kind of could have brought someone on to see out that game, they didn't have anyone. Um, so Yeah, but did, you see, did you see our bench against Villa? I nearly took my boots on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so I think it, if, if City are to win, it will be the starting 11 that do it. And it is a great starting 11. Um, but there won't necessarily be the the game changers off the bench. Um, but but City at home, you know, Liverpool was the first game they've not won at home in twenty twenty three. In all competitions, like they've just been a different beast at home, and and with it being a, a later kick off on the Sunday, um, mm. there should be a a better atmosphere and yeah, more more in City's favour. Unfortunately for you guys. Go on, no, I have no expectations. No, we've got no expectations. No expectations Go on something. then, quick prediction. It can be as nasty as you want. Uh, I I think it might be 4-1. But knowing <laughs> we'll that, you know, we'll you're going to get three points in the return game. So. <laughs> <laughs> we'll trade that. I'll take that. I'll take that right <laughs> now. Yeah. Uh, right, Simon, thanks so much for joining us. As I always say, uh, good luck to City for Sunday, but I, I don't really mean it. But, uh, great to get your thoughts and, 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 and thanks for joining us. Cheers, Simon. Thanks, guys. I mean, he's obviously confident, and why wouldn't he be? Um, 4-1, you think he's confident? <laughs> All right, so let's get your predictions before we before we love you and leave you. I'm going to go with 4-2. Two. two. <laughs> to City. Same Maybe 3-2. I, I think year. we could score a couple of goals, though. Do you need to finish them? We'll create the chances. And I, I don't think City is so infallible that they don't, A, concede chances or, or concede goals, so... Yeah, it's it's hard to see us getting a result. I mean, you know, look, I, there are ways that we can hurt them. Um, like I say, I think if we had our first eleven, it would be a hell of a game. We've got we're carrying too much. I mean, Simon mentioned there, um, you know, City City will be the first eleven that wins us, and it won't be what comes off the bench. But the same is true for us. You know, if our first eleven doesn't do the job, whatever they've got coming off the bench, I can assure you, is going <laughs> yeah, to be a lot better. So <laughs> yeah. he says, you know, it won't be coming off the bench that City win the game, but it will be because, or it could well be, because whatever they've got coming off the bench will be much better than what we've coming off the bench. And and, and, and their players have completed more 90 minutes than our players have completed 90 minutes. Let's have a look at so, what their bench at the weekend. So, you know, it's hard to see how we would get a result, yeah. which is a real shame. But... Um, 
Look, I, I just hope we go up there and and actually give them a hell of a, a game. And, 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 you know, I know it sounds a bit defeatist, a big fright. And, oh, just ask for your prediction. <laughs> <laughs> I was killing time, so you were looking up stats. Well, can I give you their bench? Go on. He's, looking, not, he's not wrong. He's looking to be up fair. the stats. I, was, I, thought, I, thought I was killing time because you were looking stuff up. So there he's, you not, he's not wrong, to be fair. Philip Stones, Ortega, who's the goalie, Gomez, Gvardiol, Carson. So they also had two oh, subs on the bench. Uh, Bob, who's a very good player, Oscar Bob, and Rico Lewis. So, okay. Much better than our bench. Yeah, but there's no... You they know, need gr- a goal, yeah. Grealish should be yeah. back because he was only ill. Anyway, prediction. Uh, we're going to lose. I mean, 3-1. Uh, okay, 4-2-3-1. Okay, I think we're going to... No, no we won't, we'll play 4-2-3-1. <laughs> <I think. laughs> no, very good. Uh, I think we're going to lose not as much as the women lost by. <laughs> good. Okay. Good. Uh, but by more than we lost to Aston Villa by. Somewhere in between, I got this horrible feeling it could be four or five, but I don't think. But it won't. A horrible feeling. It won't be. Do you know what? I'm going to go two-one City, and we'll be like, wow, we some stupid goal and Ben Davies' own goal, like all those stupid own goals gonna, used to give come, away at Anfield. Yeah, oh, we're going to come away hurting. So we're like, hurting. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to go two-one. You negative Nancy's with your four ones and three ones. I'm going two-one. Oh. Wow. Three, <laughs> Gary told me off for of being too negative. Three-goal thriller. <laughs> Three goal thriller. So we're going to be back next week. We might have a double whammy next week because we've got West Ham and Newcastle. I can't see Benton Coast starting. Oh, right. He's gone back there. Well, yeah. No, just I just wondered like what that. you thought. The what, it's, it's got to be the same back four, isn't it? Bissouma starts in midfield alongside Lacelso. And then what? Same. Kulisevsky. Yeah. And then. Yeah. But does Hill, does Hill play again? He's going to have to. Jimmy. Jimmy. Another thing I want to say, and before the West Ham game, catch us outside the stadium. With ah. with uh, our new friend Joe doing some doing some social media stuff. So if you do see some weird people hanging around, <laughs> sticking a sticking a microphone in your face, asking you some questions, that's us. That's Echo of Glory. We had a couple of people say, "Oh yeah, I watch you." Yeah, so they so. were they were out and about before the Villa game, getting your thoughts. Um, so we might see you at the game. Will you? Will I see you at the West Ham game next week? I hope so. Well, we could talk about that before anyway. We will. We've got another another show before then. All right, so three. We've all predicted defeats again. I think last week we Jamie predicted a draw, but me and you went went Villa. Well, did I? Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was very surprised. Two one. Did I go two one? Did you nailed it? You nailed it. We should have had a prediction league. I should have been very wrong though. Yeah, yeah. All right, that's a wrap. <laughs> um, I'll see you next week. See you next so, week. Yeah. Up the Spurs. <laughs> <laughs>